Today, we devote the next half hour to theology. And a little something extra you didn't expect. This is Lanyap Theology. Welcome back to Laniap Theology. I'm Dr. Dave Delio from the University of Holy Cross. I'm Professor Todd Amick. And we are excited to be back this week. We, uh, we finished up last week talking about God, and we're, we've been going through John 3.16, and, and Todd's going to kind of say it, but I, I, you know, just a quick recap before we launch into our next, uh, our next phase is we, we spent the last few weeks talking about God and kind of who God is, the nature of God, and we ended up with a discussion of kind of a contemporary concept that many people kind of have, and sometimes they're even unaware of it, but but it was named by a sociologist Christian Smith, moralistic therapeutic deism. And we went through and we kind of contrasted what does it mean to have a personal God as we revealed in the Bible and in the Christian tradition? And what does it mean to have an impersonal God who's just kind of like my therapist and uh, or and or this kind of remote benevolent being that will make sure in the end it all works out for me? And um, and we kind of tried to contrast what that would look like. Um, and but today we're, we're we're making a shift. We're, we're going back to the God of the Bible, and we're going back to um, possibly the the chief characteristic that the Christian tradition emphasizes, which is um, in um, the first epistle of John, chapter four, where it's announced that God is love. And um, we are going to, to focus on that um, today, the concept of love uh, in the tradition. And um, this is the uh, fruit of Todd's uh, research and doctoral work. And so I am going to be the, um, the navigator, but Todd is going to be the pilot. So we are going to, uh, we're going to steer you through a couple shows on this. And uh, I'm actually really excited to, to pick Todd's brain and see, uh, and see what, we, uh, what we're able to come up with. Yeah, and this is a good opportunity also because as you as you write a dissertation, as you you take something that you you know love, and as you begin to pick it apart and analyze, and and it, it can almost become like a big cloud. But when you talk about it, you know it, it you kind of realize the natural flow. You realize kind of how it's organized, and part of that too is you realize how it relates to your particular life, to the questions, the challenges, the the the, the teaching that you do to your you know your children, your relations with them, relations with colleagues, and that kind of goes back to that that impersonal versus personal view. That an impersonal view of God means that if God is love, then human love is completely divorced from that reality. Human love is one thing, and, and this God, this vague notion, you know, wh- what does it mean if love is impersonal as opposed to a Christian view, as you mentioned from, from uh, 1 John 4, 16, that the God who is love reveals God's self in a way that, that not only reveals God but also reveals us, and in the process reveals what divine love is and also reveals what human love is. That brings us then to John chapter 3, verse 16. We'll have a, a quick recap and then focus on love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. And, and so this, this, that passage in the Gospel of John, 
combined with the first letter of John, is really, I think, a lot of what Todd and I wanted to do this season. And if you recall, what we're doing is we're taking word by word that phrase and kind of breaking open uh, the the theology of the tradition. And and if, you, uh, if you've been tuning in every week, we, we're kind of always leaving you with a little bit of a homework, you know, piece, which is how do you take what we're talking about? You know, how do you discover God in your life? How do you make the contrast? Am I more of a moral, moralistic therapeutic deist or am I more of, do I really get the Christian kind of proclamation of who God is? And today, um, really, it's it's testing something, a word that we use for everything. You know, I love that car. I love my dog, and I love my wife. Well, which loves are we talking about? Because I don't think your wife wants to be equated to a car or a dog. My point is, is that we use that word, and and it's, you know, you've we we know that it's almost overused. Um, and today, I think we really want to clarify. But how does it? How do we use it in the tradition? How do we use it? I'd say in its proper way. Um, and um, so. Todd, take us there. What? Where are we going to start with this? I mean, I mean, when you take a word like that in relation to God, I mean, it, this is big. It it certainly is, and and many would argue that within the tradition, it's it's the biggest thing that there is. You know that that we hear a lot of things about God. You know, God God can be described in a certain way, in a certain way, in a certain way, and yet here we see that that Scripture reveals that God is, God is love. You know, we have the what's what's described in in uh, in English as the the copulative verb, to be able to look at God and love and realize that there's an there's an intimate relation between them, and I think the way that that Benedict approaches this and and I, I kind of approach it in the same way in my classroom is is a helpful way. In John chapter three verse sixteen, we're we're beginning with divine love. You know, uh, God so loved the world. This is a love that that God is exercising. And when, when we love, um, or when we do anything, there can be a disconnect. So if, if, if I, in my work, you know, I, I might say, you know, my, I, I am my work, you know, or somebody, if somebody said that, they would be kind of criticizing somebody, meaning, no, your life's a lot bigger than your work. Um, but either way, you know, you, you could draw a, a pretty stark line between who I am and how that, in a certain sense, comes clear in the work that I do. Right. You so know, who I am and what I do are not necessarily the same thing in our human lives. Exactly. And yet with God, there is, there's no disconnect. Right. God is perfectly, his, 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 his essence is his, 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 his existence, his, his, his action. Yeah. Um, right. And so we, if we're going to understand the, the God who loves and, and ultimately the God who is love in this very personal way, not just not in the way that, that we might kind of fall into default with, with, with deism. God is an abstract notion, God at arm's distance, and a God who only kind of shows up when I want him to, but also to realize that, that the, the desire to, to view God as impersonal is always couching at the door. Because if God is personal, then I can please that God, but I can also displease that God. Right. And it also, therefore, reveals who I am as person. If, in fact, you know, we, we come from God, and if, if, if what we are and how we are ought to act can only really be understood in light of him. But we're, we're, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Well, not with, only that, that. that we come from God, but that our ultimate end is God. Right. right. You know, that, that, you know, that also has something to do with what love is. So it's not just simply this, uh, it's, a, it's a one-off action. But it's actually going somewhere. It drives us towards our destiny who is our destiny, which is God. You know, in other right. words, the way we love, in other words, brings us to our final end. 
and and that's something that we lose sight of because we think love's a, you know I, I gave a hug to my kid or you know I, I remember my wife on Valentine's Day or something like that but it, there's more to it it's actually there's a direction with it love is also the summit love is right. not only the source of our lives exactly but also the summit the it's, it's summit. interesting that's right. also because that's how um the second vatican council describes the the liturgy and ultimately the eucharist as the source and the summit of the christian faith and we're going to see a little bit later the relation of the the liturgy and ultimately the eucharist to to love right but the way that benedict proceeds is he he realizes that if if we use the word love there are a lot of different notions of love. As you mentioned before, we love work, we love friends, we love, you know, binge watching Netflix, whatever it is, you know, all these different quote, quote, loves. And yet Benedict kind of holds up the love between man and woman is what he says is the epitome of love. You know, it's that experience that, that most kind of draws us out of ourselves and points us to um, a relation with the divine as well as a, a certain appreciation of that love has an eternal aspect. And this is in uh, Deus Caritas Est. It is. His, his encyclical of, what, 2005? 2005, December 2005. 25th, 2005, his very first encyclical right. on Christmas Day on Christian love. Right. So so his, you know, and, and many theologians certainly and commentarians would, you know, would say that it is typical that for a, uh, for a, uh, a Holy Father, you know, for the Pope, that that, and you can imagine this too. That you're 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 in a certain. You have a different name. You're kind of someone else. You're doing your different theological writing, your pastoral work, and then you have the first chance to be able to speak to the world. And that's a chance to kind of say, "This is my thematic movement here. This right. is my fugue. Every variation is going to move around that." Right, and it's funny because you know, um, you know, Pope Francis was Lumen Fidei, but we would say to one extent, like Evangelium Gaudium really was um in other words it there's a pivot that i i feel like you have to almost see those two together as pope francis's full enunciation of, right you know right and and um you know francis also describes um lumen fidei as as the encyclical written with four hands you know meaning right, that right. that it's you know it's a lot of people say that it's um you know that that Benedict had a, a very large investment into it, and then with his uh, with his stepping down from the papacy, right. Francis went in but honored him by taking a lot of his information and putting it into that first encyclical. Right. right. And as as you as you read Deus Caritas Est, you can also look at Lumen Fidei and hear those resonances. Sure. You can see the transition between Benedict and and Francis. Right. But the way that Benedict begins his encyclical on Christian love and ultimately on divine love, beginning in Scripture with divine love, is he. Starts starts with human love. And he says, when I, in essence, when I say this, you hear a lot of different things. One of the ways that I approach that in, in my class is I'll, I'll say, okay, let's, let's, we're going to figure out a couple of things right now. One is we'll, we'll talk about what love is, but the second is we'll see, is, is love merely a feeling? Is it an emotion? Is there subjective content to love exclusively, or is there an objective content? Is there something that's essential to what we are as persons related to love? So to answer the first part we do is I, I, I say, when I say the word love, you think, and I go just, just shotgun, boom, 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 around the class. Right. Family, friendship, boom, 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 again and again and again. And so words again. like uh, unconditional will show up. Right? Absolutely, yeah. right? Um, sometimes you get sacrifice. Sometimes you get suffering. Sometimes you get Christ. Right. You know, which is, which is uh, of course, quite refreshing. Then the idea is, okay, now let's tease that out. Let's, let's begin and let's see how does the tradition inform what love is, what human love is in light of divine love. 
But the second element, which I think is is a little bit harder, is to see, okay, well, is is love an objective reality or is it merely a subjective reality? Is it is it affect? Is it feelings? You know, which for you is different, for another is different, for another is different. And so I, I lead my class through, and I did this for Theology Workshop, which is one of my favorite classes, because it allows us to, you know, not only to play the scales of music, but to play jazz. Right. Uh, and to see kind of where is God present in these areas of our lives. So I said, okay, let's do a thought experiment here. And uh, around the seminar table, I said, I'm going to ask you what your favorite ice cream is. And I want you to tell me. And we go through and bam, uh, you know, the strawberry ice cream at Creole Creamery. Right. Absolutely. Briar's chocolate. Absolutely. This new halo top that's that's like carb free. It's it's oh, it's good really? stuff. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Carb We've got nods over here. Yeah. So around, wow. around, 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 around. Ooh, a new discovery today. And I said, notice this, though, that at no point when someone said, oh, you, you got to try the mint chocolate chip. It's not that fake green stuff. It's real. Right. You know, no one said, no, you're wrong. No one did. Right. Went around the table, no one. I said, why is that? And I said, but tell me this, tell me this. If, in fact, we were to go around the table and I were to say, I'm going to give you an option. One, you choose to be loved, or two, you don't. And I say, you, loved, 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 loved. And then this person right here, this girl right here says, not loved. I said, would you just say that's like a flavor of ice cream, or would you say something else? And I said, what do you think when she says, not loved? And we go around the table, and one says hurt, one says fear, one says denial, one says anger. And we come back from the, the break, we're going to see why these answers are different. Right on. This is Lane App Theology, and I'm Dr. Dave Delio from the University of Holy Cross, here with uh, Professor Todd Amick, and we're uh, real happy to be with you today. Hey, this is Dr. Daryl Holiday, Food Science Coordinator at the University of Holy Cross, New Orleans. We have the only program in the greater New Orleans metro area when offer bachelor's degrees in food science, food business, and culinology. Come learn the skills needed to excel in today's industry with a national average salary $90,000. Scholarships are available. Our classes are offered in hybrid formats, which means both in-person and online. We believe food science education is done best through hands-on learning in real-world situations. Our programs not only offer scientific theory, but prepares you to excel in the food industry or pursue a variety of other careers. If you have any questions, please visit our website at uhcno.edu forward slash food science or contact me at 504-398-2112 or email dholiday at uhcno.edu. Hey, we're back uh, on the other side of the break, and we were just finishing up with a really interesting thing, Todd. I want you to I want you to kind of recap that, but also bring it home. You you, you were talking about this this in class experience you're having with students, and you're kind of comparing. Well, what counts more? You know, everybody can have a, fl- a flavor of ice cream, but it becomes much more personal. It becomes much more. Uh, intense when you say loved or not loved. In other words, it's not chocolate or vanilla anymore. We're talking about something else. So what happened? I mean, you, you kind of left us like uh, on the cliff. Right. So so as the, the class then has that survey and, and says the word that they, they think of, you know, imagining one of their classmates saying not loved, you know, from, from hurt, betrayed. And, and sometimes one word isn't enough. And they have to say, like, I, I would know she had some brokenness in her life. Right. Somebody else would say, I'd, I'd know there's a need for healing. It's like, but, but healing's an objective reality. Right. You know, you, you, you get sick, you need healing. It's not like you just feel a certain way. 
right. you know, and they, they, they get that. Then I'll take it a step further and I say, okay, what if at that moment I realized it was pretty emotionally intense and we just took a break? I said, what might you say to her? And a lot of people just said, well, I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't want to intrude. Da, da, da. And what's, what's great, and you've probably experienced this, is that there tend to be a couple of people in the class who, who are the ones that are a little more vocal, right. a little more verbal. Right. And, and for, for me, um, uh, one of my students in the last class said there were actually two of them in particular, and both of them, uh, maybe not accidentally, had experienced uh, profound suffering in their lives, the, the loss of, uh, for one, her daughter, for another, her son. Um, and both of them said, I-, I would go talk to her. Right. I would spend... Because they've talk. already been there. Exactly, they've exactly. They've been in the not love place, right? They know what that brokenness is like. And so, so, so what I intend to do with that, and I think what people get a sense of, and we spend really the rest of the semester unpacking and teasing that out, is that there, there is something essential about being a person that's related to love, and there's something essential about love that's related to personhood. Right, and, that, and which, in other words, sometimes we think of personhood as preferences. Like, these, like I like chocolate and vanilla. I like chocolate and vanilla. That's a I like personal chocolate. decision. Right. That's it's what we'd say, it's, right. It's, 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 like, it's my opinion, and, but we're, we're, we're trying to give a depth to personhood here. We're saying that, but love is kind of one of those non-negotiables that, um, you know, we know this as human beings, that if, you, if the person without love will quickly shrivel up and die. It's just like the child who, if they're born and put in isolation, even if they're fed nutrients, they'll end up dying if they don't have human contact, which sadly enough, human beings actually did those types of experiments. And often they thought that they were keeping the children sanitary or doing a good thing. Right. And they didn't realize, no, we need love to live. Right. And, um, and, you know, one thing you may be listening to us right now and be like, "Wow, these are really interesting sides," and, and I agree with you. But you may be asking, well, "Where are you guys going with this?" I thought we were talking about God. You know, God is love, and um, it's true. But you know, Todd and I, before we we started the show today, we 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 said, you know, this is the best way to start, which is you all know this stuff. We know this stuff. These are, these are the you know tremendous hurt gives us an idea of what love is just like falling in love we, we've all had that human experience and what we want to do is it, we want to make an analogical move from what we know as humans in our daily lives to in the, to try to begin to approach the highest of high mysteries the infathomable unfathomable or infinite love of god well we got to start somewhere and in the one place it, it's as tough as to start is with God because you know God is infinite. He's mystery. He's he's um, you know super abundant in in knowledge and in love. But in our world, with our finite kind of modes and ways of being, we can grasp some of this. And so, an analogical movement means we start from kind of the ground and we're moving up. So we're going to start with the we're we're doing an analogy of love. We're starting with human love, and eventually with it, by the 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 end of the next show, we want to get us to God as, as, as best as we can approach. Right. And what we're going to do in this show is, and, and we're, you know, this isn't an ovation. This isn't something new in the Christian tradition. This analogical move is something we see again and again. And, yeah. and Benedict approaches it, but he approaches it in Deus Caritas Est and throughout his pontificate with a mystical dimension. Right. So he follows the, the mystical um, uh, uh, way of, in, in the case of, of Deus Caritas Est, of Dionysius, a 6th century uh, Syro-Palestinian um, whom, whom many believe was also a monk 
because a lot of his writings make more sense in light of the liturgy, right? Uh, and that that kind of explains this 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 positive dimension of theology, the cataphatic, and the negative dimension, the apophatic. That we purify our human notions, we get rid of whatever is not real or true there, and then we offer those up, and grace perfects them, and we realize that even then, whatever we comprehend is still infinitely less than who God is. Right, and 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 that. You know, what's important about that is this is just an important basic thing in doing theology. It's also the basic movement of Christian spirituality, which is um, the the tradition has been adamant that there is this kind of levels and layers in both the, the, the rising of spiritual life, but also the rising of spiritual knowledge, which is our goal as Christians, all of us, every one of us, is to seek the counsel of Christ when he, or the command of Christ when he counsels us, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so the idea in Christian spirituality is we're going to kind of move and ascend through layers of you know, we move from being sinful to becoming aware of that to becoming virtuous, from becoming virtuous, and the goal of the Christian life really is to become contemplative. And that doesn't mean just kind of sitting in a chair and being quiet. That actually means that you are living in God's love and knowledge at all points of the day, which means, therefore, you are open and available for love. And and that's what the pseudo-Dionysius and, and, and everybody, Augustine, everybody would, would say that we gradually are ascending through councils of perfection to try to seek as as to be as perfect as we can be, knowing that it falls infinitely short of who God is. Right. We use that metaphor of a, of ascent. We right. We use that that analogy of ascent also. Right. To to be able to understand what this journey into God, but but to realize also that this this isn't just a unity as you were mentioning before of, of our minds with God, but of our wills with God, and that's what love looks like. Exactly. Love and to be in love. You mentioned it before. We all have some notion of that experience, and 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 of of course you know we can read on the news about some that don't have that. Right. And oftentimes there are dire consequences, and we get scared to death. Right. To realize somebody, you know, when you you hear of someone doing something horrible, you know, and then you you then say, okay, well, what what did the childhood look like? Right. You know what? What was this person's sure. instruction on love? And oftentimes, you know, it's it's there's a real brokenness there. So as we look at at the experience of what it is to be in love, you know, what what Benedict describes from the the philosophical tradition as as love neither willed nor planned. You know, this dimension of eros. You know, we we get the word erotic from it, but often, you know, just like with the word love, we need to be aware of what we think of when we say that erotic. Um, you know, refers to that which which pertains to eros, to the love neither willed nor planned, romantic love, but also the dimension of all loves that drives us to union with the other. It's desire. I mean, which that's it. Which is there? We we have a sense of uh, of a lack. In in other words, when when I really want ice cream, mm-hmm. it's a hot day, and nothing's going to satisfy me. There's a desire for something I don't have. And one could argue that, 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 that that's a kind of a love, but or it's a, it's a it's a driving motion to get me to Creole Creamery because that's my place. <laughs> it, it moves me outside of myself. There's that 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 line that's often overused from uh, Jerry Maguire: "You complete me." Okay, Gabby will nod a little bit on that. Yeah, you you complete me there, where where one person in elevator communicated that to the other, and they realize, okay, well that's that's what the dimension of eros is. That's what that love is. Right. It's seeking to be completed. Right. 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 And so the question is, okay, is 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 that antithetical? Is that a selfish love, 
Or is there an authentic expression in human love of that seeking, of that drive, of that desire? And Benedict's thesis and subthesis is that an essential part of human love is the dimension of eros. And I think our human experience reflects that as well. Right. And even though that, and I think mistakenly, some people would say, oh, but Christians are trying to like drive out the eros and just simply be agape, like unconditionally loving. In the tradition, this is Nietzsche's critique. Right. Christianity poisoned eros. Right. But in fact, that's just not true. It's that that we seek, through God's grace, to elevate eros to, in other words, to drive us to further love. You know, in other words, it's love-seeking love. And so there's a, there's a, in other words, everything in the Christian tradition, we take it from where it kind of springs out of the ground, but we don't say, well, that's it. Like that sapling is it. We're going to cut it down. No, we want to see the full tree reach up all the way into the, to the sun. And we want to see what is that sapling. Eros without agape, and Benedict is, is, is very clear about this, that eros without agape eventually loses eros. Yes. That there is a need dimension, a need dimension with regard to, to God. Right. But, but what, what Benedict does is, as he helps us to understand what human eros is and eventually what divine eros is, we realize that eros has within it uh, a, a movement to union, to communio. Right. And therefore, we understand that the person makes sense only in light of communion of, 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 of persons. And the photo negative of it is, is that's why when we hear, hear the word erotic, it's always tied to like adult entertainment or, or pornography or whatever, because it's a perversion of, in a sense— we know that the like human human sexual relations can be one of the most you know beautiful and liberating um, activities that any human can be can engage in, but when the photo negative of it when it's when it's become when it's gone from uh, th- this nice color to this kind of uh, grisly black and gray picture, um, which is what every strip joint every you know um, uh, uh, adult industry shop trades on is it's trading on the perversion of eros to we because what it's saying is what you authentically want human connection human relation but it's it's saying it in the most kind of base and vile way that it can be achieved and what it's suggesting is that eros unrefined unmatured can be perfected and fulfilled in itself when in fact what would what Benedict is saying with appealing to the tradition is that eros, this desire, this need for human communion and human love is perfected by its maturation in agape, which is gift love, right. desire for the good of the other, which engages not just the, 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 the will, the desire, but also the intellect and the entire person. Right. And so, so, and so we got to have love, both, right? Exactly. Salt need love and gift love. You know, eros without agape not only loses agape, but loses eros. And agape without eros eventually, without that desire for communion, becomes disimpassioned, becomes a, um, apersonal right. to the point where you lose agape. It's it like becomes a, inhuman. It's like a stoic love. Like, you know, like you love everybody, but there's no attached. There's no, there's no drive. It's there, artificial. Right, right. Right. In other words, oh, yeah, I, lo- I love them. I, lo- I'm, I, I totally, you know, I care for them. Okay, so when was the last time you were actually, you know, dressing their wounds or meeting their needs? Yeah, I haven't done that because I'm really busy with work, but I, but I do love them. You know, in other words, we hear hear people who say that, but like, I got Christ in me, like, I love them. But it's like, okay, but when is the last time you've gone into that tough neighborhood and like, you know, help that kid with, uh, you know, uh, school or when you know that, you know, this relative's really having a tough time, did you actually get on a plane and go over there and help the family out? Right. And Benedict addresses this by, by noting and drawing our attention to the unity of soul and body that is the person. 
that we, we can understand in a better sense what it means that we need eros, we need agape, and that both of those are personal expressions of love by realizing that we have a soul, we have a body. You know, our body has needs, our soul has needs. Right. And we can't love one without the other. And they're, they're distinct and yet completely intertwined. Fully integral. Yeah. You, when, and, and when we say personal, when we talk about personal love, we need to think in terms of body and soul. And with regard to God, right, as pure spirit, we think in terms of, um, of, of the spiritual. And yet, what we're going to see in the, next, in the next show is as we transition from human love to divine love, we'll see that it's the same God who sends his only begotten son to assume a human nature, to take on a human soul, a human body, and to love us as God loves and also perfectly as human loves. So, wow, I'm excited. This is, I can't wait to do the next show. Um, this is Dave Delio from the University of Holy Cross here with Todd Amick. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're cooking along. We're, we're really enjoying this, um, this season. And uh, I can't wait to see what we do next. Lanyap Theology is a production of Catholic Community Radio.